Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Michael, do you want to comment on this with a postcard you sent us some years back? Oh, well, let's just get to the postcard, which I have shared before, and I believe you still have in this house, Somewhere. which unbeknownst to me at the time, then made it into your Sunday column. Yeah. Uh, so at, at our camp, you had to do like a weekly letter home. So of course, I wasn't going more than the once a week letter home. And with my limited artistic ability, I drew a stick figure figure of one Michael Kornheiser. Uh, I believe I was physically hurting myself. Stabbing yourself with a knife. Oh, I wasn't going to go yes. straight to stabbing. Stabbing yourself with a knife. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Frightening to get that. <laughs> frightening. Totally frightening. Child stabbing himself. In Hello, mother. Blood. Hello, <laughs> father. Yeah, the, the, the here we are at Camp Granada, the blood coming out of the body. I did just, include drip, you know, little droplets. Yeah, it was just <laughs> awful. Uh, on a personal side, let me thank Dave Fleming. For his note, we will certainly follow up on that. Thank you very, very much. Wonderful announcer, Dave Fleming. Um, so I was going to talk today. Somebody, I don't know when this conversation took place, but it was with somebody who does not listen to this podcast and does not listen to the podcast because this person has no particular interest in sports and said, well, what you do is all sports, right? And I said, no, it's not really Actually, all sports. very little of it is sports. It's not really all <laughs> sports. Point, yeah. No. Um, and he said, well, what, what is it? And I said, well, it's sort of our lives. It's our lives that day. So I, w I explained to him that what I was going to talk about today to begin the show was the shingle shot that I took on Friday. I took, for those of you who are not old enough to qualify for shingles shots, this is a particularly horrific skin disease that gets you in all areas of your body and is hot and makes you scratch and you scratch and it makes it worse, sort of like poison ivy. And it's thoroughly awful. It's a debilitating sort of external disease, right? It's right. it's at the top of your skin. Sort of like adult chicken pox. Yes, it's really, really lousy. And I have known some people who have suffered enormously with it. And when you know anybody who suffered with it and you can get a vaccination against it, at a certain age, like 60 and over, you're crazy not to. Like, you're absolutely crazy not to. Okay, unless you're one of those people like Novak Djokovic who just doesn't believe in any vaccinations whatsoever. God bless, stay away from me. Okay, so um, the latest shingles vaccine is a two-set protocol. You get the first shot, and then you have to wait a minimum of two months and a maximum of six months yeah, before you get the second shot. And any time within that window, the second, third, fourth, fifth month, it's good. If, you know, you want to wait, whatever your reasons are, you know, I don't know. Um, I got mine, the first one, in early May. And I scheduled the second one at the behest of some friends who said, just do this. The moment you're ready, just do it. And, and so I took the second shot on Friday morning at 9.15 at the Brookville Pharmacy on Brookville Road in Chevy Chase, Maryland. From Sean, the, uh, the pharmacist there. Sean had given me the first shot. And I said to Sean, look, I'm hearing stories that the second shot is much worse in terms of reaction than the first shot. And he goes, yeah, you hear that. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Are you, but yes, you hear that here and there. And I said, do you think that'll be the case with me? And he goes, rightfully, I don't know. <laughs> and he said, what did you have the first time? And I said, in my left arm, where I took the shot, around the injection site, it turned very bright red, 
for three days exactly, and then disappeared. Then it disappeared. I had no fever. I my arm hurt. Oi, my arm. I it, my arm hurt. That's what happened. It was not inhibiting to the point that I could not go to work or no, do anything. No feverish dreams. No. Well, I don't know. I don't remember that. But no fever. And my doctor had said, Chris Duke had said, look, to guard against whatever might happen, make sure that you take Tylenol. He was very specific about Tylenol. Take Tylenol when you get the shot. Take Tylenol if you feel anything. Tylenol will help you ward off any particular fever. And drink a lot of water. Well, he didn't say that, but I drink a lot of water anyway. So I had told the people at PTI, look, I'd love to do the show, but I don't know. I... I don't know if I'm going to be able to do the show. So they had somebody on standby, and every hour or so I would call, and I'd say, this is the update. And by 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock was the drop-dead time for me to get off the show. By 3 o'clock, I was okay. My arm hurt at the site, but that was it. Um, And then Saturday morning, so I did the show, and I had no particular problem. I continued to take Tylenol. I took one Tylenol every four or six hours. Nothing happened. I felt very fortunate about that. Called some of my friends. One or two said it knocked them out. More of them said we were fine. You know, so you, you, you poll the room, right? You try sure. to get a sense of what might happen to you so you prepare for those things you're responsible for. Well, the next morning, so it's like 24 hours, I'm good. <laughs> I go play golf. I'm good, well, that's but I take a cart in case I get some sort of reaction. I want to be able to drive back, and, and I'm good. Isn't science great? Yeah. Well, science is great, but science floats. For example, when, when you hear doctors say, follow the science, you say, okay, here's the science on Monday, but by Thursday, there's a report that the science is different sometimes. Anyway, I played yesterday, too, and talked to uh, people about this, one of whom said the first one knocked me out for two days. Yeah. Younger than I. Younger than I, first one. You. That's the same for me. Yeah, the first one. And I did not anticipate. Did you take the second? I did, and it knocked me out as well. Okay. So I think I lost a total of like five or six days from both shots. So what what I'm now inclined to believe is what the second pharmacist, Joe, told me on Tuesday when I went in. Tuesday or Wednesday, and I asked him, what did he think would happen? And he said, what happened on the first shot? I told him, he said, it's the same vaccine. Same thing's going to happen on the second shot. Right. And I said, Joe, it's not going to be worse. And he goes, why would it be worse? It's the same. I go, why would it be worse? Because I got nine guys telling me it's going to... No, it wasn't. Now, I think my arm is a little bit red near the site. Can you see? It's a little bit red. But but I I was very fortunate. Yes. I was so fortunate, and Michael knows the paranoia of my life. (laughs) I was so fortunate that I began to believe I did not get the vaccine. (laughs) <laughs> you thought it was that nothing, nothing, nothing was injected into my <laughs> system. Deja vu back to our conversations in late February. Continue. <laughs> yeah. But that, keep the shirt rolled down. Yes, that nothing, <laughs> you know, not that I got no vaccine at all. I'm very so, happy that you did not have the reaction I did. No. Very Tra- Tracy had a terrible reaction. So too. questions for you. Yeah. When they have somebody on the line, let's say you can't make it in, does that person, let's just call him Frank. For, yeah. Just, just for call him easy, Frank. Let's sure. call him Frank. Does Frank ever text you directly? Hey, how you feeling? No. No, no. Um, and he's, you know, I'd be so tempted to do he's that. contractually obligated to X amount of shows. And if they say to him, be ready for this one, it probably counts. I mean, I don't know. I don't know his deal. 
But I think that everybody wants me to do the show, and I want I, I want to do the show. So, and this has happened with Mike, too, at various times. Something may have happened to Mike. Uh, dental surgery, whatever, and you just don't know if you can do the show. So I was very lucky, very happy about now, that. Now, second question. This yep. is the first sort of routine maintenance type of vaccine shot that you've had in the last, you know, beyond, obviously, your your, your COVID, COVID uh, vaccination. Was it odd as you're going through this being like, this is something that's so, like everyone knows, a, a, a shingle so shot. This is fine. This is normal. Yep. This is part of what we do. Are you sitting there going, how is it that we've created these two paths where some of this you know, medicine we, we accept on a daily basis, and some of this is still so politicized as we can't get over this bump to get people shot. That's interesting. I would say that the only people probably, I mean, yes, there is a dual path there, and one has to do with, with far more than the vaccine, and one does not. I mean, I think that anti-vaccine people would say don't take the shingle shot. Yes. But I think almost everyone else, regardless of where they stand on the political spectrum, would embrace the fact that if I take this thing, I'm not going to get shingles. And again, you're dealing with an older population, an older population that wants to, you know, doesn't have as much confidence in their bodies to ward stuff off. Uh, so I wouldn't I would imagine that most people, given the opportunity to not get shingles, would take these shots and they would not associate it, honestly, with Donald Trump. Because that that was the politicalization of the COVID vaccine, without question. So I move on to the Olympics, which, and I've said this to Nigel and to Michael, I don't know what's like. It, it always says live, <laughs> and I don't know what's live. Like in the bottom right, it says live NBC, there's but always, I don't, there's always the live bug. But then it looks like there's know. still something superimposed over that. That no, this is truly live. <laughs> How can it be live? If I'm watching it at a certain time during the day when I know it's three in the morning in <laughs> this Tokyo, is, this it is an outdoor event. <laughs> it can't be live, right? So I don't know what that means. I'm sure that what they're saying is, well, as they film it, it's live, right? Yeah, and I understand that. I guess the headline, I'm, I'm sure everybody has a different headline, but the headline to me would be that Katie Ledecky lost in the 400 individual, 400 freestyle? Uh, 400 freestyle, freestyle correct. Individual you know, medley and she lost Arian Titmus. Fourth who's, fastest time ever. Yeah, yeah, it was her second, her fastest time in years in this particular event that she has owned for years. Got off to a good start. She lost to Arian Titmus, who is a younger woman than Katie Ledecky from Australia, who has her, she's the chaser. She's had her sights for years on Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky is the greatest female swimmer of all time. And nobody is going to argue with this. This is what happens in sports. The younger people put their sights on the older aging people and they eventually beat them. With one exception. Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady yeah. still wins. Tom yeah. Brady is a miracle. I, whether you like Tom Brady or not, Tom Brady continues to win at ages when nobody wins. He continues to win. Everybody has their sights on Tom Brady, and they don't beat Tom Brady. Um, but this happens. Swimming, this is going to happen. You reach an age, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in tennis. It's going to happen in, certainly in track and field. Although Usain Bolt, I think he won three times. Yeah. And then he didn't run again. He didn't get beat. He probably got beat in a meet or two that wasn't the Olympics and probably said, oh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but that's, that's like Ledecky. It, 
and she got the silver, and, and it's so, another medal. Yeah, there's no. something about the intimacy of a pool, though, too, where you see her after she finishes, and, and I'm comparing this to the the Great Britain, um, the breaststroke guy who won again, who was terrifying. Uh, after he, he looks like he was like Victor Crumb out of Harry Potter, but he, you know, he does the move where you immediately get on the lane and you're splashing the yeah, water yeah. up in the air. There was just something very quiet after Katie Ledecky sort of nods to this to this young woman who she knows the story, obviously, and she probably knows exactly where she was within her own times and the race. And she does this interesting move where she's moving to the right of the lane and they're talking about drafting, which you'd never think about in a pool. swimming. My right. first my first question to Liz was, do you think I can make it there and back? There and back. <laughs> she goes, no, they'd have to bring in the boat for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So now there's still the 5,000 or the 1,000, the really, really long race that everybody thinks Katie Ledecky will win, although she may not win. She's going to win a lot of medals. Right. And they're going to win relay medals and going to win individual medals. If I'm not mistaken, Michael Phelps in his last time around won a gold or two, but... Didn't dominate the But he didn't dominate and lost some races. Yes, I believe that's correct. Yeah, he lost some races because you just can't... This is the way it goes. You can't go on forever. But that... Swimming, it only matters once every four years. I mean, this is this is how I feel. I know we should talk about basketball, but I don't care about Olympic basketball. I don't care about Olympic golf. Where now, uh, Bryson DeChambeau and John Rom, John Rom, who again. had coronavirus and claims to have been vaccinated twice, has it again. Yeah, I don't. I, that's sort of surprising, you know. And but I don't. The sports, I don't care about Olympic soccer. Why? Because these sports have a world championship that everybody understands. That is more important even than the Olympics. So, you know, swimming doesn't. Track and field doesn't. Fencing probably doesn't. Weightlifting doesn't. Boxing. Skateboarding. Skateboarding. How is that an Olympic sport? Yeah. How is three-on-three basketball an Olympic sport? How did that happen? Yeah. Who voted for that? You know, what's the next one? What's the one going to be? Oh, I think Gary Braun is actually looking to get into 2024 breakdancing. Yeah, breakdancing. Break dancing. How is that an Olympic sport? Yeah, I'm not sure. How Trials that... at the White Flint Mall. Yeah. <laughs> These are Olympic sports because I guess they feel that they can charge more money to the United States, to the United States for the television rights. Because yeah. nobody else plays three-on-three basketball. I don't care about it. There'll be one-on-one basketball at some point. It just, <laughs> just playing horse? You know, it's just, yeah, there'll be horse. It's just dopey. <laughs> All right, uh, what else? Oh, by the way, can I just say one thing about Brad his- Hand, get out. <laughs> get out. Is getting oh. swept by the Orioles something to oh, talk about? God. No, I was just going to say about Chuck Usain- Todd and I, very upset at this. I was going to say the thing about Usain Bolt, you'd mentioned him a minute ago. We still don't know how fast he actually is. He never, he never tried hard. Every single race. He as just, soon as he, he put his hands up in the air with 10 meters to go. Right. So you have no idea how fast he actually is. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Brad Hand, get out. Uh, Nats get swept by the Orioles. The last game lose to the Marlins. So the two terrible last place teams, they went 0-4 in their last four games. Well, Davey's starting to sound like Scott Brooks. Just got to start playing defense. Yeah, start it doesn't. Doing the little things. Yeah, take it, care of the know, walks, rudders, you know, it, rudders it, in scoring position. You have no confidence. No confidence. It's a vote of no confidence. <laughs> if this is politics, somebody would rise right. to have a vote of no confidence in the team. But is that Scherzer standing? You know, Scherzer. Well, I thought he was traded. Well, you had. You had to I thought that. he was traded when he got scratched late from from the start against Matt. I'm Matt connected. Harvey can't beat anybody. He throws a one-hitter for six innings scoreless against the Nats. A quick pace of game, too. Yeah, it was really good. It's really good. My favorite player on the Nats is Espino. Always, you know, 
because he's like 80. And he just throws the ball over the plate and says, okay, if you can hit it, hit it. <laughs> Sometimes they hit it. Most of the time they don't hit it. Uh, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. Nigel, why don't you tell people what you've done with the Indochino suits? Because it's more important than me saying go out and buy a suit. Now, after I got those shingle shots, Tony, I felt terrible. But I looked great because I was wearing my Indochino suit. I've got three of them. That's how much I love them. Tailor-made to my dimensions. You can go to a tailor and actually get proper measurements. Or do what you did. You can do what I did. You get a, a piece of rope and a yardstick. You can measure yourself and then send them in. It gets to you very quickly. You can customize it any way you want the suit design or the shirts, anything like that. And it's very affordable. It makes you look and feel fantastic. This is a testimonial you from get someone who's brought this. Lapel? <laughs> I do. I like that. It's a British look. Yeah, yeah, that's what we like. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted suits, shirts, casual wear, and more at surprisingly affordable prices. Every piece is made, as Nigel said, to your exact measurements. And you can customize every detail. Choose everything about your suit from the fabric, the lapel size. You can monogram it. You can have a statement lining. You know, if you if there's a... I guess if there's a song you like, you can get the words written on the lining for all I know. <laughs> you can create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $399 and all these customizations are included. Indochino is now opened at select Nordstrom stores. So you can go to Nordstrom's, maybe where you are, and, and get Indochino. Giving you even more ways to get great fitting, personalized clothing. Find your nearest location at Indochino.com. And right now you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code TONYK at checkout. Buy a suit, get the discount. That's $50% off, $50 off, I'm sorry, not 50%. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com. The promo code is TONYK. Don't be stupid. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Dan Burns kids look up at the sky and watch the moon glow. My meetings are online. Guess I'm a Zoom pro. The bride is over there. You're the groom bro. I like saying on tetacumpo. The finals ended in July, usually June though. Who'd miss his morning carry nine months in a womb zone? Who's the greatest all-round athlete in the room? I like saying How great is this? Dan Byrne makes songs out of everything. He plays in Michael Wilbon. You have to love that song, right, Mike? You have to love I Like That's Saying Very, 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 very funny. All right, let's start. I'd said in the open of the show that I don't really pay tremendous attention to the Olympic basketball because Olympic basketball is not the NBA championship, which everybody wants even more than the medals, certainly in the United States. But the United States lost to France. Um, <laughs> yeah. Both you and I thought 
that the United States was going to win this game handily, and they lost to France. What do you make of it? Um, I, you know, there's a lot, Tony, to think about regarding this uh, and regarding the, the friendlies, you know, in route to this loss. I'd, so I, mean, I was in Arizona. The game was probably, well, I, you could have had to stream it. They put it on, you know, their streaming service, Peacock. The game was not on broadcast yep. television uh, live. And I'm in Arizona, so I wake up to go to the airport to fly back to D.C. yesterday. I wake up at, I don't know, 5.30 a.m., something like that, out there. And then I, I'm in a car going to the airport an hour later, and I start getting text messages from my friends in the East and the Midwest who are awake because it's, you know, by yeah. then, you know, 9.30, 10.30 in the morning. And it says, you, you, didn't, you don't know the result of this game, do you? I'm like, what? <laughs> and it was just so st- stunning to get that text. Uh, those texts, and uh, Tony, there's a lot to conclude. I had already concluded uh, a week or two ago that the world has once again caught, if it's not caught up, it's catching up with basketball in the United States. And we're still the leader. We are still the, the, the leader in, in that sport, men's and women's. But we're no longer dominant. We're no longer automatic. Um there are people who can play the game well at a high, high, high level everywhere because of something that started with the Olympics. It started in 1992, the run-up, 91, 92, to the, to the Dream Team, and everybody wanted to play. Everybody wanted to be us in basketball. And they became like that to the point where, you know, 30 years ago it was somebody named Tony Kukoc, and it was Arvidas Sabonis, and it was, you know, these guys. And now it's Luka Doncic in Slovenia. So every corner of the world, they don't play pro football. They don't know who Tom Brady is. They don't. They know. They know. Still know who Michael Jordan is, and they know who the Dream Team was, and they know now who LeBron James is, and they knew who Kobe Bryant was, and all these guys. They spend half their lives in the summer, in the off season, in China, in Eastern Europe. I mean, Charles Charles Barkley tells me about this all the time. The trips that he took at the end of late in his career to advance basketball, to be a global ambassador. And this is what happens when you successfully do this and people love you, love you. They adore United States of America's basketball. They, they learn how to do it. And now they can do it in every corner of the globe, and they can beat us. And it's stunning. It is stunning. This t- it's even more stunning to me now, Tony, than it was when it was cool coaching those guys and they did it. It's, it's more so to me because we didn't think they'd catch our pros, not – I don't know. Maybe you did. I didn't. Not like this. No. No, I did not. And I heard Greg Popovich say that he spent two years preparing for France because France beat him in the World Cup, in the FIBA World Cup two years ago. And you end up in a game and your best two players, Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard, fail. They fail. And And I watched it and I went, oh, my. Because I, I did not see this coming. I will still go on television today and say I still like them for the gold medal. But it will have a, a more hollow sound. You don't like them for the goal. I don't know. I, I, I looked at a team that we have lost to and a team that basically, you talk about corners of the world where basketball is so important, is the Czech Republic. Um, and I, you know, a couple of summers ago, I, I went, you know, just on a family trip, we went to the Czech Republic. And basketball, I, look, the national sport could be soccer. 
I don't know what the national sport reportedly is there. All I know is the Czech Republic, they know everything about every United States of America basketball player ever and currently. And clinics and whatever the equivalent of AAU is, they don't really they don't have college basketball. But it's like it's like the two summers ago I was in China. And and the presence of basketball in China I mean, it's just stunning to me. And so the Czech Republic is a place where they produce they have produced great basketball for more than thirty years. But they don't have the players. Sadoransky is like the only guy on the roster that you would know. And that's a, that's a different thing. And I don't know, maybe they're having a lull, maybe it's a transition period. They don't have the name brand players in the Czech Republic on that team now. And it, we have to beat the Czech Republic and Iran. Now, Iran only lost to France by seven. So I'm, I'm looking at this now, and I'm just saying, you know what, you can't take any more for granted. You just can't. You just you, can't. Um, and it's been such no. a weird time here, too, with the pandemic and the bubble and this and that. Some of that plays in. You know, and the schedule's pushed to the summer where you got people getting off planes like Booker and Middleton and, and, and yeah. Drew Holiday. They just they got off a plane and they played in the Olympics. This is insane. It just That's shows insane. you how, much, how far we are but, away that we but Durant to put and Lillard, court. Durant and Lillard and some of the others have been there. They've been there for a month. I mean, they've been there for a month. Yeah, but you're, you're just presuming that they're supposed to be greater. Why are you presuming that? Yes. Why? I'm presuming because I think that Kevin Durant is the single most unstoppable player in all of basketball in the world. I think that. Okay. Don't but you, it doesn't mean you know. he's a stop, he, it doesn't mean his unstoppability relative to the field. It's like strokes gained on the field. His relative unstoppability is not the same as the guys in 1992. He's not as right. unstoppable no, that's, relative to the field as, as that's Chris right. Mullen was. He's not. That's right. Neither is Damian. That, and right. this is what we don't want to accept. I know you don't want to accept it. I, I have trouble accepting it. Except, I've I've been overseas. <laughs> I've, I've been to other places where basketball matters as much as it. Tony matters more. In China, it's at at five eight o'clock in the morning when the NBA finals are on. Eight o'clock in the morning. The, the, the ratings are there's, there's like ten times more people watching live than there are here, and I don't know what the ratings are in the Czech Republic. I just know that people, you know, they they eat this stuff up, and so they, yeah. they, no, the, the the gap is not just narrowed; it is sliced. So so just because you say we've got Kevin Durant, so they're not having that. They're not taking pictures with Kevin Durant before the game anymore. They're saying, I will whip your butt. The Are you watching any other Olympic sports? Have you watched any of it? Yeah, you yeah were, I watched were... Katie Ledecky last night. You want to talk about something. Right. I'm not going to say Katie Ledecky failed. She got beat. She got, she got beat. beat. Okay? Yeah. She got beat with her second fastest time ever. She yeah. got beat. I, I watched, I, I, you know, yesterday, and I watched golf because I care about, you know, I care about uh, Cameron uh, Champ. Cameron Champ. A lot. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I care about him. He's one of four African American players on the, the PGA Tour, on World Tour. I don't even know if all—I guess all four Harold Varner. I guess it's all. I guess all four are somehow on playing professional golf on some tour. And he had a dramatic event yesterday. He won for the third time. He won for the third time um, on tour. I watched that. I, you know, I've walked a little, uh, the course Olympia Fields when, his, when Cameron Champ was in college. His dad was in Chicago following him, and I met his dad and walked a couple of holes with his father. 
So it was uh, he I, had he had physical problems. He, he was dehydrated. He, it turns out he talked afterward extensively about it with Amanda Valionis. He he he, he was dehydrated and he was lightheaded. Yeah. He'd be lightheaded. I mean, you know, lightheaded in a golf tournament. You know, late in the round, like after twelve or something. So anyway, why that's not the Olympics? But I watched that and was absorbed by that and didn't watch daytime. I watched that instead of watching the U.S. Olympic basketball game, men's. I watched Cameron Champ and that PGA Tour event in Minneapolis. And then I watched Kayla Decky. And you know what, Tony? I, look, I'm not going to be critical of the games going on. I'm just not. The games have gone on. They've gone on, in a, and specifically in 1972 in Munich, a, a much more severe circumstance than this even. Um, but, so I'm not going to say the game shouldn't go on. I just don't believe in that. But the games without fans, it's I mean, really it's, different. it's terrible. It's um, really different. I, uh, the, most, the, the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life has nothing to do with the United States of America in sports. The most exciting thing I've ever covered, attended, was Kathy Freeman, the Australian you know, middle-distance runner when she won the 400 in, 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 in Sydney in 2000. It's the, it's the only time I have ever been brought to weep in public an Olympic event, having nothing to do with anybody from America. So the fans, I mean, you know, the things that have brought us to our knees, either competitively Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis, even though the result was overturned, or seeing that father of that, was a Canadian or British? The runner. No, yes, British. Come out of the stands. Yes, yes, you, you, help you, his there son. There are things at the Olympics that will bring yes. you to your knees. Yeah. And they are they are fan related, and you don't have fans. And I, I watched um, Simone Biles. I watched that. I don't know what to make of that. I, I'm not I'm not going to read about it because I hate what I hate what the writers in the United States of America, my colleagues, my friends, including one of my dearest friends of my life, Christine Brennan. I hate what they've made of gymnastics and figure skating. The whole culture. I hate it. And I went to the Olympics so many times, and I refused to go to those two events, which are in each, respectively, as you know, Tony, they are, they are probably the most watched events of, of those competitions, women's gymnastics and women's figure skating. And because of what has been made of them and what I think they have has been made to be something more akin to exhibition and not sport, it's spectacular as the competitors are, as iconic as they are sometimes, as influential, as impactful as they are on American and world culture, Simone Biles. I don't, I can't, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch what they make of it. Like, last night, the commentators, they, like, refused to actually criticize Simone Biles. They just, they, they, you know, just sort of like, well, you know, she's better than them, and so she gets a pass tonight. No, 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 Kevin Durant didn't get a pass. He no, didn't. you don't. You don't. Dame Lillard, no. he didn't get a pass. Pop, no, it's sports. He didn't get a pass. You don't. No, no you don't. So no. I hate what my friends and colleagues have no. made of that. And the, the judges, not just them, they represent judging it because events. they deliver it's, it. Yeah, you know just, what I mean? Is that, yeah, fair? Is that unfair of me to say? No, I mean, I don't feel as strongly as you, but I certainly have a lot of those feelings. And I do, I do love watching the figure skating, um, men's and women's. I love watching it because I think their athleticism they is are. tremendous. They're, they're amazing, but, but I hate. 
judged events to me judged events to me yeah the ultimate event to me and you know you've heard me say this a lot eight guys in lanes 100 meters yeah, the guy well, in the yeah, tape yeah. wins. The guy in the tape wins. <laughs> I mean, he wins. It, it is. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, look, it. you and I sat shoulder to shoulder for the first men's basketball Olympic loss. Really the first, because we were cheated in 72. That's right. And, and so the first loss, and it was pros against college kids by then, was coached yeah. by, by John Thompson, who we adore. That's right. I mean, the, the late, great John Thompson, and it had David Robinson and Danny Manning on the team. And we sat there, and I, Tony, I, I remember I was thinking, wow. You know, I was more taken aback by it. That loss, I know, hurt you in many ways. You were watching as you had lived with Olympic basketball and international basketball at that point longer than me. You still live with it longer than me. But it, 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 I, I, I have never seen you impacted by a loss quite like that. I never that. expected it. I never expected it, but again, right. that's the buzzer rings and a team with the most points wins. That's right. They don't go that's to the right. judges. Yeah, we're they not, don't go to the judges. Yeah, we don't. We don't yeah. sort of uh, kindly uh, view and, and, and internalize Olympic competition. It, 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 this has meant something in our lives greater than anything else. Largely, I mean, not, not entirely, but largely, these events and the fans and the reaction at the games. And you don't have that. I, I, again, I'm not being critical of the games going on. And then, I, you know, I still, this is my third time not at the Olympics, uh, at the Summer Olympics since 1984. So I've gotten used to coverage. I had to, now I'm watching television, and I don't like what NBC does. I understand. There, it's a t- like, you, like you always say, it's a TV program. Television show. Television but show. But see, it wasn't for me because I wasn't consuming right. it via television. Well, we were were at the Olympics, and it's different. But they buy the rights, and then they don't want you to use their footage because they've bought the rights. I understand. What do you think of not televising the U.S. basketball men's basketball game live yesterday? Um, I assume that that is a decision made that other sports, which conflict with it, get better numbers because it's television show. That's That's all I I can assume. Half, half of it. You know, the other half is they're trying to drive their streaming service. Yeah, they, oh, they, sure. They, well, uh, you know, that's, it's, well, it's they, about Peacock. I'm sorry. ESPN Plus does exactly the same thing. But just not with an event that large. Not yet. Well, I'm not saying will they won't be. get there. <laughs> it will be. I mean, right there. now, it's, it's MMA, which for that audience, yeah. you know, and, and you're yeah. acknowledging, okay, this is a different audience. Men's basketball is not a different audience. And so basically everybody of my group of friends and relatives, all, you know, either nearing or somewhere between 50 and 70, everybody yesterday was angry, angry in real time. How yeah. dare they not put this on? Well, I said, wait a but minute. But I mean, see, I get, I don't know how to do it, but I get Peacock. Right. Because right. I have Comcast, so I get yeah. Peacock. So, but I wouldn't know how to, I just talk into the thing. Get me basketball on Peacock, and then I just don't know how to get the Peacock. Yeah. Then they tell you to wait, and I get tired of waiting. So you watched? (laughs) Did you watch it yesterday at four p.m. or whenever it came on? I watched it the re the in essence the replay. Yes, I did. The replay. I only I knew who won, so I watched the second half. Right. (laughs) That's what I watched. Yeah. Um, Because I knew who won. That's. That's also one of the great benefits in going to the Olympics is you don't know who wins because it's in your time zone. That's right. And you get to watch. We're sitting there. We're either sitting yeah, there so, or someone so can say different. to us, as we have had said to us, you better get to the second half of this event 
right. we get up with our laptops, hop in some taxi, because no, no, no. yeah. not all of us That's had access happens. to Mr. Kim like you did, and we go to the Chomsil Student Gymnasium for the fourth quarter. Your girl Brennan or, had the driver. Or, I yes, didn't have the driver. driver. I got, I got in a favorite. car with you and Vince Dory. So let's. Let's try to remember that. Let's not that, talk yeah. about that, well, but yeah, let's try to remember that. that. But, no. Tony, so, how about this yeah. one? Tommy Lasorda is giving a press conference after the U.S. beats Cuba. It, 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 enormous deal. At the t- Big it, deal. Enormous. Big deal. Tommy's, in his, Tommy's like a manager in, in, in typical Major League Baseball, which means he's got to play the cold cuts. He's half naked. And yeah. he's, you know, he's got on like yeah. a jersey and some BVDs. Yeah. And then Tommy yeah. Lasorda says, hey, that, that, that Rulon Gardner kid, that's an exciting thing. Where is that? That kid is wrestling the Russian bear. Yeah. And we say, Tommy, it's right, right down there. We could like run to that. It'll take a couple of minutes. And Tommy says to some sports writers, baseball writers, he knows, then let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's go there. Let's watch Rulon Gardner beat the Russian Let's watch Rulon Gardner beat, you know. Who'd never he, lost. He, he, he'd ne- he he'd never lost. Never Ever. Lost. Never. That was Ever. It. Ever. And so Tom, that's, Tommy Lasorda yeah. knew that. And he's like, Let, can, we, can we see that? Yeah, yeah Tommy, you're cool. Tommy Lasorda, but I don't have a credential. Hello, you're Tommy you're Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda. Yeah, you'll get it. I mean, so right. that's how we consume the Olympics, and it's, it's not different. like anybody else. And no. I, I have a hard no. time watching and consuming the Olympics as it's presented to me now. All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank All right, you. Tom. My Uncle Wilbon, boys and girls, we'll take a break. Sally Jenkins, who hates the Olympics, <laughs> hates the people who run the Olympics, doesn't hate the Olympics, I don't think, hates the people who run the Olympics, and bloated up in the Washington <laughs> Post a couple of days ago. She'll join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the X-Chair Read. The unknown came in 2020, changed the workplace forever. While some of us are getting back to the office, not me, some of us find ourselves in a new normal at home, me. The future of work has changed, and so is the future of seating. X-Chair is at the forefront of home and office seating during this transition. And now X-Chair's newest innovation, Elamax Temperature Regulation, will take your seating comfort to a whole new level. Patent-pending Elamax allows you to experience cooling, heat, and massage in your lower back. Feeling a bit warm? Set your LMAX to cooling. Air conditioning in your home or office cranked up too hot? Set your LMAX to heating. Feeling stressed from too many Zoom calls? Turn on LMAX massage therapy and relax. X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL support was already best in class with incredible responsive low back support. Now with LMAX, your comfort is guaranteed. You won't believe the difference until you feel it for yourself. Imagine regulating your body and getting massage therapy while you're working. Go to xchairtony.com right now. That's the letter X, the word chair, the name tony.com, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR to receive $100 off your offer. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com now and use the code XWHEELS for free X-WHEEL blade casters. Jody wants the blade casters. He got in before the blade casters. Send Jody the blade casters. Xchairtony.com. Use the code, people. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Center City. It's about the center city of Philadelphia. Sent to us by Jake Lawford in Santa Monica, California. He said, thanks to you and the team for playing some of my songs a while back. A true thrill that also ended up netting me literally tens of dollars in new music sales via Apple Music and top online retailers. 
So now I'm back for more cash with more tunes, including one, Center City, about the Philadelphia My Youth that I think some members of the current 76ers squad might appreciate. In my regular life as a TV producer, I have a new series that I ran for Netflix called How to Become a Tyrant that I hope people will check out, in which the narrator, Peter Dinklage, um, lays out the steps for achieving and maintaining absolute despotic power. As The Rock sang in Mona, what can I say except you're welcome? Um, I believe that's Moana. Moana? Okay. You're welcome. I don't know what Moana is. So, um, for Jake Lawfer and people who want to send in original music and make tens of dollars, how do they do it? <laughs> well, thank you for keep pumping that irony. But yes, you can send us your music by emailing jingles at com. It is my great... And by the way, you can listen to the songs in their entirety, Dan Byrne and Jake Lawfer, uh, without having me talk over them. It's my great pleasure to bring Sally Jenkins onto the show. I've said this while Sally hasn't been listening, but I will say it while Sally is listening. There is a device that Sally uses every once in a while. And when she uses this device, which she did not use in the column when she destroyed um, Thomas Bach, but when she uses it, I always, I sit down and I get ready. And this is when Sally says, what do I know? I'm just a stupid girl, but. And then she proceeds to kill somebody. And this always gives me tremendous pleasure. And I always felt, gee, I wish I could do that, but I, it wouldn't look good if I said, what do I know? I'm just a stupid girl, but. And Sally can do it, and she destroys people. And she has destroyed the NCAA that way and destroyed a lot of people. She did not use this to destroy Thomas Bach. She just went right at him, the head of the International Olympic Committee. So let us go to this. You, you crushed him and the Olympics just explain why you did it, but then I think the larger question is, how are you on the Olympics being held, or, or do you don't even think they should be held this time? So, go. Well, I, I could be wrong, but I'm not, uh, <laughs> that, um, that this is going to be a, a, something of a super spreader event. Um, the doctors yeah. that, I, that I talked to for the piece that you're uh, complimenting so wildly, um, they basically said there, it's pretty likely there's going to be an outbreak in the athlete village that's that's coming, you know, in the next week to 10 days, um, just because they know numbers and they know how this, this thing tends to behave. And so they're pretty concerned. Um, you know, they might, they might get away with it. They, they might get out of Tokyo without there being a big outbreak while they're there. Um, but, you know, the numbers of this thing have been pretty, um, pretty strong and obvious all along, you know, for, for we've got a year now of track record of watching the, the virus and then the, the variant behave. So, sorry to ruin everybody's morning, but I don't, I'm not sure it's a, a real good deal. There are doctors who will say, because I know one, who will say this population, the highly trained athletic population between the ages of 18 and 30, basically, are going to be almost exclusively asymptomatic. And nothing is going to happen to them Nothing bad will happen to them, but of course there are other people around them because athletes come into contact with more people than the average person does on a daily basis. But you know athletes well, Sally. If you ask them, do you want to play no matter what, they'd say, yeah. We want to, wouldn't they say that? Yeah, we want to well, play no matter what. Yeah. Well, sure. And you know, every survey, I mean, they've done kind of research over the years with Olympic athletes. They feel pretty immortal. They're very young. They're very powerful. They're very yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And and if you ask them if, if you could take something that you know would hurt your health but still win a gold medal, would you? And they say, yeah. Yes, they say um, yes. So, I mean, again, there's a track record there, too. And that's just who people of that age are. And by the way, the room parties, I mean, have to be amazing um, since they're not really supposed to be 
running around Tokyo. So, uh, you know, look, I, I hope it goes well, like everyone else, and I hope I'm wrong. But, um, you know, it's not really about, I mean, the asymptomatic thing, like that's actually in some ways worse because it's never about you and how sick you might get if, if you're a young person. It's about who you might infect when you get home, right? And so a lot of these athletes will be going back into populations where there's low vaccination rates. Like, for instance, Australia is only at about 11% right now. Or they might be going back home to countries that don't have the medical infrastructure to deal with a big outbreak. And look, you know, I'm, you know, I've been a New Yorker for a long, long time, and you know, we saw one guy get off an airplane and go home to Westchester, yes. and, and destroy you know, it wasn't community. too long before the whole city was in a state of emergency. Yeah. You think that Thomas Bach, the head of the IOC, is lying? I mean, you you just yes, think, I think he's, he's lying? Completely dishonest because because you know he knows. Uh, the advice that they got. He knows some of the things that were recommended that they do, and he knows that they didn't do them. He knows when he says, well, you know, uh, other professional uh, sports events around the world were carried off safely, so that proves that we can do this. He knows the difference between the NFL and the NBA um, and the IOC and what the IOC has done. Uh, The NFL did daily PCR testing, sometimes twice a day, for all of its people, and they all wore these, you know, um, um, motion detectors. So they knew, like, literally, if someone grabbed a doorknob, if they went through a certain door. And, you know, the stuff that the IOC has in place isn't going to be able to detect much at all. Uh, Antigen testing can pick up someone who's pretty sick that day. Um, But it doesn't pick up, uh, it's, it's, you know, about 40% less effective than PCR testing when it comes to people who are asymptomatic. Well, you know, asymptomatic is really the point when you're trying to prevent a larger outbreak. So what I, one of the things, I mean, we can all agree that you put the Olympics on for money. This is, this is why this is happening. But you look at, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and it may be more than money. I mean, look, you know, I feel this sort of panging, you know, for a great event like this, too. I mean, half of what's going on, I'm enjoying watching, and I'm, a, I'm relieved mm-hmm. to see it. And, and you know, I think we all needed it. I don't think Bach is wrong about that. But, you know, you have to do the larger calculation. So, look, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I fear it. I, I am struck by the fact that the consistent polling of the Japanese population they say, what are you doing? We shouldn't even have this. They're living there, and they're saying, this is nuts. We should not have this. That seems to have been swept completely under the rug, Sally. Well, you know, so what is the IOC? Is it a country? I mean, are they like a, a dictatorial country? They have their own flag and their own song, I noticed, at the opening ceremonies. And they appear to have been able to make Japan do this against its uh, uh you know, sovereign will. I mean, the the IOC's power is a mystery to me. And I guess it's financial, you know, I guess it's under the table deals, I guess it's rake off, I guess it's, I guess there are lots of deals that aren't particularly visible to the naked eye. Um, You know, I for the life of me, I don't understand the IOC's ability to get, um, you know, Japan to go through with this, um, given the will of the citizens. You have the largest company in Japan, I believe, is Toyota. And Toyota has said, we are not running any ads in Japan during the Olympics. 
because we are sensitive to the will of the Japanese people. Now, they're running ads here because they're trying to sell. And I'm fine. Yeah. You can find, you can sell ads here if you want. But doesn't that tell you that when the largest company in the country says, we're, n- we're not going to be supportive of this, it strikes me as remarkable. But then, but then here is the mixed feeling. Because like you, I like watching it. I do. I watch I know, it. I know. I know. And, you know, I they do. count on that, of course. The IOC counted yeah. on that. One of the things that the IOC is really counting heavily on is the fact that, you know, once the athletes start competing, we'll all be so enchanted, because yeah. it is enchanting. Uh, we'll yeah. be so enchanted, yeah. we'll forget. You know, we'll forget about all this other stuff. We'll forget about the, the Japanese medical system and the fact that an outbreak in Tokyo right now uh, might really strain the system. We'll forget about the really objectionable terms of the IOC contract, which says that, like, hundreds and thousands of doctors and nurses and hotel um, hospital rooms have to be reserved exclusively for IOC use, um, for the use of anyone with an Olympic credential, uh, you know, over the Japanese people. I mean, that's a disgusting provision, um, given what's going on in the world. So they're they're really, really hoping that, you know, um, clay cadets and and um, skateboarders and surfers and rock climbers really take our eye off of what's really happening. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, let me move to another subject that I know you love: the NCAA. Um, we are now well, seeing, the same, with, you know, they're, they're yeah. the same. You can, everything you say or write about the NCAA is doubly true of the Olympic system. They profit on unpaid labor. They, they strip the athlete of any rights and any, uh, any of their natural economic rights and any of their natural you know, sort of electoral rights, and, and they, they use their labor for free to generate billions in profits. You can say the very same thing about both bodies. So I, I always write questions down. My last question was worse, Bach or Emmert, but I don't want to get to that yet. <laughs> same I don't, guy, I don't, same dude. Yeah, I know. I, I don't want to get to that yet. But you grew up where you grew up. And you grew up in a household where college football was a real big deal. Uh, Texas, Oklahoma, leaving their bad conference and going to the fabulous SEC is, is earth-shattering, I'm sure, for a lot of people. It seems to me that with name, image, and likeness, this total end of the NCAA, because they fought against this for so long, they don't have a... Uh, they don't have a place to stand. They can't. They can't plant a flag anywhere. Do you think? Like I know, Wilbon hates this because he thinks that it's the end of everything he grew up with, and maybe I believe it'll just lead to one large conference, which will be subdivided regionally, and and direct negotiations with television um, executives to just you know put those games on. And what do they care if Rutgers or Oregon State gets any money? Do you see it that way too? How do you see that college football? Just specifically college football playing out. Well, what do I know? Because I'm just a stupid girl. But um, (laughs) 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 you know, I I actually. What's funny is there have been people in college football working towards this moment since I was 24 years old and covering college football initially for the Washington Post. You know, the the discussion of a super conference has been around for a long, long time. And yep. a lot of those schools have wanted it for a long, long time. And so, I, you know, uh, I, I tend to think it's just been a matter of time because politically those schools really hate profit sharing with Vanderbilt, right? I mean, yeah. so pretty yeah. soon there are schools even in the, in the SEC that will be pitched out in favor of a Texas and an Oklahoma coming over. So, A, I don't think there's much that can be done to prevent it. But, B, you know, 
Uh, I, I just, I think it's time to see if something doesn't work better. You know, bringing things on top of the table, I mean, this is what people said about tennis, right? Oh, you know, if you pay tennis players, if you make them professional, there will go the beautiful amateur spirit of the game. Well, actually, tennis is a, a, a much, much, much better better game, you know? Um, so I, I just, I think that you start with a fairer premise, a fairer economic premise and you let things sort themselves out from there, you know. Um, I, I just, uh, but I, the, the name, image, and likeness thing had to happen because, again, it's, it's, there's people, it's their natural right, and it's not going to destroy anything. It may make things a lot, lot, you know, a whole lot better. As far as the super conference, you know, the schools, um, the NCAA rulebook and the NCAA structure is so nonsensical that, you know, almost anything might be better. You know, is it going to destroy people's desire to watch big regional contests between universities that are, you know, old land-grant universities that, that come with a rich tradition? I don't believe so. I, I think people will still want to watch that. I still think the, the, the prospect of watching 18- and 19- and 20-year-olds who are not yet fully uh, trained, highly trained, and, you know, who've only been on a campus for a year or two and who are still essentially not really well instructed in their craft is going to be appealing. You know, I think the nature of amateurism is not that they play for free. The nature of amateurism is that they're young. So that's my opinion, and I'm just I think what's going to happen, I think it'll be a mess for a while, but I think the most obvious thing that's going to happen is that kids are going to transfer a lot more. Because they can be paid now, and they're going to transfer a lot more. I think we will lose the continuity of college sports, which we are, by the way, losing. We were losing even before this, as the liberalization of transfer rules became clear. What, what like are your basketball? thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've lost some. I've lost some through line with, you know, say, you know, North Carolina or Duke teams. I used to, you know, I used to have more of a sort of relationship with those teams i guess um for lack of a better word um but there still are you know i look again like what you and me what matters to you and me is not important what matters is is what's what's going to be best for encouraging kids to stay in school and get a degree right or encouraging them not to be, you know, stolen from and used for four years and come away without a degree. You know, if you're going to be there and you're not going to get the degree, then maximize your earning potential you while you're money. there. Make yeah. money. So, look, yeah. I, I mean, I, to me, it's like we look at this from the wrong, wrong way around. What's going to give us the most pleasure? Well, that's not really the point, is it? No, I, I'm, and I, I agree with that. I think that, the, honestly, I think that the turning point for most people, if they sat down, would be would you, that you would say, Wait, I understand Nick Saban is a great college football coach, maybe the best ever. Is it fair that he makes $12 million and everybody who plays for him makes nothing? They make nothing. It's yeah, very rare, I think, that the Supreme Court goes 9-0. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, come on, 9-0. It, it, it took him less time. Like sometimes they send the jury back and the jury says, we don't really have to go back. We sort of <laughs> right, get this right, right now. I mean... It, that's what this was. That was yeah. like, are you, are you people kidding? Yeah. Are you, you people know, the kidding? Part, so. The 
funniest part of the whole ru- ru- ruling was, you know, basically they said, look, if, you, if you're going to ha- ask for exemptions that no other American industry gets, you know, you have to give us a good reason. And the NCAA's <laughs> response was, well, because we're us. We're us. We've been doing it for a while. Because <laughs> we're okay. us and we've been doing it for a long, long time. And mm. Kavanaugh was like, ah, uh, that's not good enough. No. No, really, no, I know. All right, it's great to have you on. Thank you, thank you, thank Always you. Always great, Enjoy. Tony. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sally Jenkins, boys and girls. So I've known, I've known Sally since she was a student at Stanford. And, you know, you may want to get rid of Vanderbilt from the SEC, but the one school they're going to have in so that they can say, you see, we care about academics, is Stanford. <laughs> Stanford, whatever the conference is, Stanford is going to be in it to justify having the conference. Uh, We will take a break. Come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the solo stove ad. Michael, this is yours. Well, we have big news. Oh, what? Excuse me. Clear your throat for the big news. Well, yeah, well, this is part of the reveal. Oh, so if you were if you were stuck by a campfire with all that you know smoke, you might have to clear your throat. Like, no, we're going to get the solo soap sent up, and we we're going to slowly reveal some other news because there might be a backyard that can enjoy the solo stove here in the greater DMV area. Ooh. That would be tremendous. So I would get a chance to to be at one with the solo stove. You will be at one. You will be outside in nature, hearing the bird song as as we quickly light the firewood and we control the flame and we can all sing around the and there's no there. smoke no yeah. smoke can we burn Efficient. can we have marshmallows of course i like marshmallows some people like them lightly done you no. like them, well I like them incinerated <laughs> right yeah that's i the like them do. incinerated that the way that's the way that i like the marshmallows um they want you to do a personal endorsement. You've been around the solo stove. We've been your around life. the solo stove. I've we not. Have, we have friends who use the solo stove, and it'll be, be up here The now. users use the solo stove, right? Yes, Jim, Jim uses, uses, yeah. Yeah, he uses the and solo Saliza stove. And as well, right? Saliza uses the yeah, solo stove. Solo stove creates story-worthy moments without the fireside fumes. See, that's what I remember from campfires at camp. Like, you just, it's so much smoke, and it's on your clothes for the rest of time. No matter this, which seat you get, yeah, you yeah, always you get the smoke. Yeah, and this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it. Stainless steel construction designed to regulate airflow and burn more efficiently. So little smoke, you'll wonder how there's so much fire. It's easy to keep lit, even easier to clean. Solo stove fire pits are portable. They're built to last. They're easy to light with a few bits of starter. Your flyer, fire is blazing in minutes. They're so confident you'll love it. They're offering a lifetime warranty and a 30-day free return policy. No one needs a reason to gather around the fire. Solo Stove just took away any reason not to. And now you can get $10 off when you use the promo code TONYK at checkout. Just go to solostove.com. And remember, $10 off when you use the promo code TONYK. So use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. That's great. Everybody knows that's great. He's playing three or four instruments in that. That's Ian Warrington. And you'd say, wow, that guy's a great musician. But He's also an emergency room doctor at Civil. <laughs> he went to medical school. He graduated from medical school. He's an emergency room doctor. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad? 
big time for you because there's an extra bagel sandwich. We got the bagel sandwich. You can have it. Oh, that's very exciting. You can news. have one. That's the way you want to start a week. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you, then pop on in and you will be thrilled. Uh, that's it for us today, but let me just say, and I don't know where this is from, so you'll tell me when it's I over. I can't remember what I wrote. I logged a lot of miles training for that day, and I downed a lot of donuts. <laughs> little chocolate donuts. They taste good, and they've got the sugar I need to get me going in the morning. That's why little chocolate donuts have been on my training table since I was a little kid. I would guess one of the Rockies, but I don't know. No, that's uh, Saturday Night Live, John Belushi. Oh. It's one of the fake advertisements. Okay. And they show him beating people like in a track race, and the greatest thing is the end when he's doing that. There's a bowl of chocolate donuts from him as he smokes a <laughs> okay. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Sally Jenkins. Fabulous performances by both. Thanks as well to today's sponsors, Indochino, Solo Stove, and X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you listen to the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Uh, we haven't gotten to this in a while. This is, this is pretty old, but I wanted to get to these. Um, this is from Jamie Edwards in Reedfield, Maine. In Maine, we call glow bugs or lightning bugs fireflies. We moved to Maine when I was just shy of two. My parents bought a 200-year-old farmhouse. Our first summer here, my dad noticed that the field behind the house was full of fireflies. He grabbed me, put me on his shoulders, and carried me out into the middle of several acres of blinking lights. I will never forget it. And on Long Island, we called them fireflies, too. I don't know when I started calling them glow bugs, but it was when I got to Washington. Um... From Ted and Mustafa, as we are the official lifeguards of the TK show, check News Channel 8 for the photos of us on duty at Chatter. This is brutal. This is so funny. <laughs> We'd like to welcome Pete in California to our professional rescuer team. As the new guy, you get the 5 to noon shift, during which you get to mediate between the water walkers and lap swimmers, constantly arguing about how far to open the doors in the wintertime. <laughs> Sounds like fun, right? These pictures, these guys are tough guys. It really makes me happy. From Steve the Sycophant, in case your wonderful wife has him keeping you up to date, here's just two of the thrilling movies that showed Sunday night. On the two Hallmark channels, one, Rue the Day, a gourmet detective mystery, and B, a two, uh, Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, in which Darcy returns to her hometown for Christmas and reconnects with Luke, who is a former rival. How so much unbelievable entertainment keeps pouring out of the Hallmark factory is beyond me. Hey, it's better than watching the Nats. May have seen one of those movies. <laughs> From Dan Walsman in Damascus, Maryland, I'm driving over 30 hours with my little kids. I'm bringing good headphones and my children's NyQuil for the little ones. Any other suggestions? Yes, don't do it. You know, 30 hours, right? Could you drive 30 hours with, with the boys? Zero chance. We're, I told you, we're, we're deep into Paw Patrol, and it's all the... The, the, the pup-pup-boogie, pup-pup-boogie... Drives you nuts. From Jeff in Wontaw on the South Shore of Long Island, my non-masculine child returned from a basketball clinic last night, so naturally I asked her how it went. She told me it was fun. They got to play a game called Steal the Bacon. I said to her, hey, I know that game. I didn't tell her how I'd heard of it. She's nine and wouldn't care anyway. But just wanted to let you know that your camp games are alive and well on Strong Island. That's Long Island. I don't understand the Strong Island thing, but Michael does and makes fun of me when I say that. <laughs> from Neil in Rockville, just so I'm clear with the story. Michael got his mother-in-law to Uber his phone back to him from her hotel after making both his in-laws walk back to their hotel from his house. That's so, impressive. Okay, so I always offer to pick them up. There's one day where there was, this was July 4th weekend, dramatic storms moving in. Chan Hardwick decides to walk from his hotel to our house up the hills through Georgetown. I had to go pick him up because it was an emergency. We had to take cover in the Trader Joe's. Okay, there you go. Uh, from Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson here from Chapel Hill. Not that Chapel Hill, Chapel Hill, Tennessee. Regarding your problem with garden varmints. 
Have you considered falconry as a hobby? <laughs> From Gail Armstrong, stop by Bagel City to get the area's best tuna melt. Gone. Very sad. Tomatoes. My neighbor hangs plastic bags filled with Irish spring on her tomato plants. Swears Ooh. by it. Not convinced. That's... A, she says, Gail says, not convinced. From uh, Gregory Dennis, my answer to your pesky rodent issue could be quite simple. Plant a barrier of pumpkins. Squirrels hate pumpkins. I hate pumpkins. That's from Greg in Winooski, Vermont, by way of the University at Buffalo. Um, a haiku from Shad. Could be the squirrels, considering you don't know. Could be grizzly bears. From Jason Blazer in Lake Orion, or is it Lake Orion? I'd never know. It's Orion. Orion. In, re in reply to your comment, I don't know if deer eat vegetables. Surprisingly, no. Deer are exclusively carnivores. That's why you constantly see footage of them aggressively tackling prey like mountain lions and bears. They violently shred their throats in pursuit of an insatiable bloodlust. Deer. Sneaky fierce. Uh, let's try to read a couple more here. From Jeff Lowy in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hey, old sport. I have a remedy for your problem with blossom end rot. Powdered milk. I kid you not. Mix some powdered milk into the soil of your plants and your blossom rot will stop. I have a six foot by six foot raised garden. I've been doing this for years. It really works. And if not, at your advanced age, Michael can spoon feed your future nourishment needs to you as powdered milk. We should save that for next year. And one more from um, Sean Crawford in Queenstown, Maryland. As a, as a Sean, S-E-A-N, spelled S-E-A-N, which is how Sean Cherry spells it as well. I have some sympathy for the Jeremiahs out there. Growing up, I was repeatedly called seen by more people than I could count. Teachers, friends of family, coaches, etc. I started out politely correcting them, and then many would ask, well, why not spell it S-H-A-U-N? I would then try to explain it as from my Irish background, and that usually took care of it. Eventually, around high school, I got tired of the simple explanation, and I would ask them aggressively, do you live under a rock? Have you seen a James Bond? movie how could you possibly not be familiar with sean connery sometime after this i mellowed some and i would just ignore it to the point that i once let the ta from our organic chemistry lab call me seen for an entire semester <laughs> on top of this i have a lord a large port wine birthmark on my shoulder and part of my neck and if i wear a collared shirt only about a quarter sized portion of it is visible some people would ask me if I got hit, but many, and actually mostly women, would assume it was a hickey, and asked who I was with the night before and what she looked like with a goofy grin and or wink. Growing up being a nearsighted, poorly dressed, nerdy math kid with inch-thick Coke bottle glasses meant I was most often with no one the night before, so this annoyed me to no end. When I was younger, I would explain the origin of the mark, but as I got older, I would respond to the question of who I was with last night with something like, yeah, both of them were cute. The one good thing about it was that I always knew whose mind was in the gutter right off the bat. That's lovely. Sean, did anybody call you seen? Did you get that? It happened a lot. Really? Uh, yeah. When I lived in the Midwest, there are just not a lot of Irish descended folks. And yes, it happened wow. all the time. And same thing. So on, on behalf of Michael, yeah, on behalf of Michael and Nigel and seen, I'm Tony <laughs> Kornheiser. If you're out on your bike tonight, do wear white. Don't do it, Tony. Each night we look up at the sky and watch the moon glow. My meetings are online, guess I'm a Zoom pro. The bride is over there, you're the groom bro. I like saying on tetacumpo. Antetekumpo, 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 Antetek
to the cool pole. The finals ended in July, usually June, though. Who'd miss his morning, carry nine months in her womb, though? Who's the greatest all-round athlete in the room, Bo? I like saying on Tetacupo. Scrapple and the chicks are kind of gritty Going back to Senate City 